Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, tradies, sparkies, plumbers, whatever you've got, chippies, you guys drive utes. You guys travel a lot from job site to job site, place to place, from Bunnings to job site, home, in between, everything in between. If you do not have a dash cam in your Hilux, in your Ranger, in your Triton, whatever it is, then you are running a risk of something happening to your vehicle, to you, and not having any evidence of how it happened, why it happened, or who did it. Now, the Navman MyView Outer Workmate XDC is a dual cam dash cam that you must have. It covers the front, it covers the back, it's got a very wide angle sensor, 140 degrees to be exact, and you're gonna get full high definition 1080p recording on these cameras. Now, one thing that's important to note is the price has gone down from $549 down to $384.30. You can get to navman.com.au now and score that bargain. And hey, let's be honest, it's a tax deduction probably. So if you don't have a dash cam in your car, you certainly should. If you drive a ute, this is absolutely the dash cam, customized and built just for you. Let's get on with the show. Rasembrasma Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are tuned in, whether it's from your smartphone, from your smart speaker, from your television, however you decide to listen to this show, welcome. Welcome to Australia's number one technology podcast. As I said in the intro, my name is Jeff Quattromani and I'm sitting here with you for the next, I don't know, 30 minutes or so talking tech, going through the latest news of the week and trying to get you informed because, hey, when you go back to that water cooler conversation, you'll have something interesting to say. And generally on this show, we talk about some interesting stuff. Now, we also do it over a glass or a bottle of something, but today it's a can. It's a can of hard solo. I have always been a fan of solo, but when they spiked it up a little bit, it got even better. And if you have not tried hard solo, I truly, truly, truly recommend it. It is absolutely delicious. Now, today on the show, we're going to cover a number of things. We're going to go from gadgets to software updates. We're going to talk about Medibank. Again, we're going to talk about Optus. Again, yes, those two things, major things that happened last year. We're going to talk about them. A big change coming to Netflix, as well as an amazing survival story of a gadget that fell from an airplane. Now, let's start with the first thing. It's a gadget. Now, I don't know about you guys, but as a child, I did have a Sony Walkman. I also at one point had a Sony Discman. And what did they do? Well, the Walkman was a portable cassette player that you could stick those annoying cassettes on that you probably made a mixtape of from listening to 96.1 Top 10 Countdown, trying to record all the best songs, make the best mixtape so that you could be having it played in your ears while you're going for a walk or probably just sitting on the couch but listening to music. Now, they're all gone because we have access to millions of songs on our smartphone that you can stream either for free or with a subscription. And there's a company out there who thinks, no, we should go back. We should go back to the way it was where you had 10 songs on a cassette. Maybe if you flipped it around, you'd get another 10 songs. But they also think that we would actually like a device that you would spend money on that you put your cassettes back in and listen to those songs again. Now, I would probably guess that if a song was available on cassette once upon a time, it probably is available for streaming. However, maybe there is an exception. Maybe you've got something recorded that is just irreplaceable. It's called the FIO, F-I-I-O, and then the model is CP-13. 
Now, none of that is catchy or memorable. However, this is effectively a new Walkman. You can put your radio cassettes into this player. It's got physical buttons for play, rewind, stop. You can open it up. You can take the thing out. You've got a volume dial. You've got a three and a half mil jack. No, there's no Bluetooth. You need to plug your wide headphones into it. I would need to find a pair of wide headphones. I'm so used to Bluetooth. And the big benefit, I guess, is that it no longer takes a AA or AAA battery. It can be charged through USB-C. Now, why USB-C? Well, it's complying with EU laws, obviously. Uh, USB-C is the mandated gadget charging connection, hence why the iPhone went the same way. But if you are interested in buying one in the UK, it will be £129 when it's released in March. However, if you're waiting for it to come to Australia, you do the currency conversion to $250 or something like that. If you want to get back into the nostalgic habit of uh, sticking a HB pencil into your cassettes to, you know, bring in the, uh, what was that stuff called? You know what I'm talking about, the cassette stuff that fell out. Anyway, if you've got an iPhone, this is one that you might want to be paying attention to, especially if you've also got an iPad. Now, iOS 17.3 is, uh, is now being released. It's actually now available. And iOS 17.3 adds a particular benefit that I think some of you will appreciate. Now, over the weekend, I stayed in a hotel. If you've stayed in a hotel recently, you usually walk into the room and the TV might have a welcome screen on it. Welcome, Jeff. And then you pick up the remote, which looks nothing like the ordinary TV remote that came with it. Uh, this has its own hotel menu system. It's, it's completely unusable and frustrating. Ch changing channels for whatever reason takes 20 seconds. Anyway, some TVs in hotels these days actually also allow you to use streaming services or an Airbnb. But when you walk into these places, you've got to type in with your own Netflix account. It's stored on the TV. You've got to make sure you log out, yada, yada, yada. What Apple have decided to do is add a new feature to iOS called AirPlay for hotels. I mean, it couldn't be any more specific of a feature of what it's meant to do. It's meant to allow you to do AirPlay while you're in a hotel. Now, obviously, if you're connected to the hotel Wi-Fi and if every TV was connected to AirPlay, uh, you'd have a bit of a problem as to which one you're meant to be casting content to. So with hotel AirPlay, uh, effectively, the TV, first of all, needs to support it or the TV's system that might, the hotel might be running needs to support this. But what they'll do is they'll show a QR code on the television. You'll take out your iPhone, go to AirPlay for hotels, scan the QR code on the TV, and then effectively anything you're doing on your iPhone could be thrown to the TV. So if you've got the Netflix app, the Stan app, KO, you name it, um, you would then be able to AirPlay it straight to the television so that you can finally just continue on binge-watching Emily in Paris because, let's face it, we've all been watching it. Now... That is a huge benefit. I think it's going to be great. And I, and I say this because it's fresh out of my mind of just coming into the hotel. Now, the other thing I'll say about when I, when I traveled this time, it was so, I just knew it was going to be such a painful process to use the TV. I just didn't. And I just scrolled on my phone until I hit 1980. But interesting news from Air Alaska. And, and I thought this was fascinating. Now, it, it's a pretty scary idea that the door of an airplane could come off uh, mid-flight. Now, if you're flying 16,000 feet, 30,000 feet in the air, the last thing I really want to start a success story with is the door flew off the handles and you'll end up with a gaping hole in the plane. What happened in this instance was when that door flew off, two iPhones flew out the door with it. Now, if you're a passenger on that plane and your iPhone goes out the door, I'm hoping that Air Alaska is reimbursing you the cost of that phone. However, 
a gentleman or a person, I don't know if it was a male or a female, but somebody found one of these iPhones on the floor because obviously it fell from the sky. And this phone had no damage, none, no broken screen, no cracks, nothing. It survived a 16,000 foot drop, retained battery life for the whole period of time until it was found. And the case, the Spigen case, S-P-I-G-E-N, Spigen completely protected this thing dropping from that height. Now, I've broken screens from a drop of a chair. This is why you need a case on your phone, ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever needed any kind of excuse why Air Alaska has given it to you. Now, this is a, a the case described itself. It's called a cryo armor case. It's about 70 odd dollars, depending on where you shop. Um, but it has got military grade certified drop protection with air cushion technology. Now, all of those wonderful buzzwords certainly came into practice as not a mark was left on the phone. So if you were on that flight, you would have thought you'd never find that phone again. And even if you did, it was probably disintegrated into a thousand pieces. Well, that person has been reunited with their phone without a single mark on it. Now, if that's not an ad for someone to go and buy a Spigen case, then I don't know what is. Now, if you've heard recently about the Stanley Cup, you hear about this thing, the Stanley Cup? Apparently, once upon a time, not that long ago, there was a car that got incinerated, completely burned to pieces. However, left in the cup holder was a cup made by a company called Stanley. The Stanley Cup, when discovered out of the burning car, had cold water still inside the mug. The water inside was still cold despite the car literally being a pile of ash. Since then, the Stanley Cup is going crazy in terms of sales and, I guess, women, um, mostly mums or, or housewives, Desperate to be seen holding a Stanley Cup while they're on long walks, standing at cafeterias, walking the dog, doing their groceries, or coming home from tennis. This may be the same thing, but for others who don't need a, a big whopping Stanley Cup. Anyway, an amazing story from Air Alaska. Now, if you've been listening to this show for any period of time, you probably know that when we do talk about streaming services, the one thing that I always have said will really change the game as it relates to the likes of Netflix, Stan, Disney Plus and others, is when they move into live content. Now, everything is on demand. But most people go to other, some streaming services, but mostly broadcast type platforms for live sports or live events. It's now finally happening. Netflix is moving into live sport. And they've been doing a couple of small things. They did a golf tournament once upon a time. It didn't do that well. But there's two things that they're doing. And I'll start with the smallest one, potentially. They're doing a tennis match. There's a potential, it's not potential, it's locked in now. There's a locked in tennis match with uh, Rafael Nadal and somebody else that they're doing on a live stream on the platform. But what the biggest announcement is for Netflix in January 2025, Netflix will have exclusive rights in the US Canada, UK, and Latin America with more regions to be added over time to World Wrestling Entertainment. The WWE Raw series will only be exclusively seen on Netflix, not Foxtel, not um, any other sports channel, nothing. It will be absolutely seen only on um, Netflix. That's a huge deal. That's a big sport. They paid about $5 billion for this opportunity. So for the rest of the year, it will retain and stay wherever it is. Um, but 
if you're in any of those countries or markets, expect to only find it on Netflix. I don't know what that will do to, to subscription services or pricing. Um, but anyway, oh, by the way, the, the Rafael Nadal match is going to be with Carlos Alcaraz. I don't really know who that is, hence the reason I forgot. But tennis interesting, more interesting. WWE is going to Netflix. I think the next big thing will be what they do with UFC. Um, obviously, there's a potential potential there, whether it's with ESPN or others. Also, I think Formula One at some point will come up for grabs. I think the Olympics is something that will be focused on. Local sports such as the cricket and whatnot, maybe not. I don't see that one being jumped on by these big streaming companies anytime soon. But as it relates to global sports, tell me about the Super Bowl. Tell me about the NFL. What's going on there? NHL. There's so many American sports at the NBA. I mean, if they're not all swinging at this sort of stuff, they certainly will be, I think, in the very near future. Now, after this, let's talk about two things. One, uh, we're going to do another quick chat about Optus after their breach last year and Medibank. There's been a couple of interesting changes this week about both of those as what seems very timely. We were talking about them around the same time last year. Now, it would be a little while back that we were talking about the massive Optus outage. I think it was November 8. I think I just remember that because of the word Novate. And I was like, Nov 8, November 8. Um, anyway, Optus had this pretty serious outage. It lasted for almost the entire day. It was pretty ridiculous. And we covered it at length on this show. And I pretty much remember that even after they had their data breach, not maybe it was a year prior to that, it was only now at, in the, during that November outage where I said, it's kind of time for that CEO to disappear. And she did. She stepped down, which is the right thing to do. And eventually they'll probably bring somebody else in, maybe promote Gladys Berejiklian into the role. However, what's been interesting now is that when we unpacked the issue in November, we talked about the issue around emergency calling, that if you dialed triple zero, that you would have had a problem. Now, during a Senate hearing, um, the CEO at the time, Kelly Bayer-Rosmarin, had mentioned that 228 triple zero calls by Optus customers failed during the 14-hour outage. What's now been revealed, and I don't know if Kelly is short-sighted, long-sighted, no-sighted, but what's now been revealed is the number isn't actually 228. It did start with a two, but it's 2,697 customers of theirs, which tried calling emergency services. Now, you don't normally call that number because you need a pizza. You don't normally call that number because you're wondering about the weather outside. You normally call emergency services because... By, by definition, you've got an emergency. And I don't think a lot, of, I don't think even 1% of that would be those testing to see if it would work. Anyway, 2,697 customers were unable to call triple zero during that 14-hour outage. Now, I don't know if that was all during one particular period of that 14 hours or just for um, the whole time, but during that outage, almost 3,000 people couldn't make an emergency call, couldn't speak to emergency services for police, fire, ambulance, and whatnot. Now, I don't have a lot of health issues in the sense that I need to be worried about calling them at, at any moment in time. However, if I did on that day need to call them and I was unable to, I'd be pretty upset. I mean, that's a big deal. Now, what's more interesting is this. That oversight has come from where? In what world is Optus living in that A, they couldn't count properly to begin with, or that B, Kelly just got it wrong during the Senate inquiry. Now, what I would love to understand is what happened to the people? 
2,697 of their customers tried calling for an ambulance or a police service or, or a fire truck or something. What's their stories? What are those almost 3,000 people's stories? Are they there? Are they alive? Did we have a death that could have been prevented by the Optus outage not occurring? Do, do we have people who are living a worse life now because they couldn't reach emergency services sooner? It's a huge oversight. And yes, it was still a big deal at 228. But for the company who hosts the network to not even know the exact number and only have it revealed to be 10 times higher than that is kind of appalling. Anyway, I'm not an Optus customer and I don't know if you are, but if you are, what, what are you, how would you feel in an emergency situation when, when you try and call that number, it simply doesn't work? And the company themselves don't even count you as a call because they didn't realize or they didn't note it down. I don't know. It's bizarre. Now, the other interesting news is from Medibank. Now, again, rehashing a story, I think it was around the same time, October? I don't know. We had a pretty huge hack. It was a hack, a pretty huge hack into Medibank. And, you know, whenever these breaches happen, we always throw up the question, was it a hack? Is it just that an employee leaked information? Is it something less serious than that? No, this was a real, this was the real deal. This was a real hack. Now, in this instance... The Australian government has tracked down the man, the man behind it. And he's, um, he's not the guy that sends you those emails claiming to be the Pakistani prince of Persia. He's not. This is a man, and I'll tell you his name. His name is Alexander Ermakov. Now, Alec, A-E, oh, sorry, A-L-E-K-S-A-N-D-R, Ermakov, E-R-M-A-K-O-V. They did a press conference this week and announced that this is the man who is behind the breach. Millions of records stolen from Medibank. Millions, literally millions of patient details completely stolen. And this is the man that they've been able to track down. Now, what's interesting here is this. You get these cybersecurity teams to start investigating. So Medibank calls, puts their hand up and says, guys, we have a breach, we've got a problem. This, this team comes in, and, and the sooner the better, right? If you're a company, the sooner you tell... Um, authorities about this, the better. They come in and they start to monitor things that happened on your network. They start to draw links back to where it could be. But then they spend a lot of time sitting on the dark web because people like Alexander spend a lot of time on the dark web gloating or selling, whether it's you know hack details. But also they, they it's the place where anonymous people can really gather and talk about stuff that they really shouldn't be doing in real life. What they started to do is realize that these certain usernames that kept popping up kept talking about particular things and they managed to almost triangulate a lot of this data, a lot of these um, usernames, a lot of these screen names and things like that to triangulate down to a single person and realized that all these different usernames, Blade Runner, um, Gustav Dorr, um, Jim Jones and things like that actually all turned out to be a particular person. And as they started to use those usernames and searching online for person's real name who may have mentioned those names or some similar they came down to this particular individual alexander ermakov 33 year old in russia he lives in moscow um, he lives a pretty lavish life he certainly isn't shy to gloat about it and this was one of the things that they also discovered if you're a hacker if you live in russia if you're making a lot of money through uh, nefarious activities like this then you've probably got some money this guy was very happy to prove that and show that through his social media accounts and things like that. But it's just amazing that 
yes, you're anonymous when you're on the dark web, but if you speak enough, if you talk enough, eventually people, it's like like playing in the dark, right? Eventually you might be found, and that's what they've done. Now, what does it actually mean for Alexander Ermakov? Well, they've implied sanctions on him. Now, when the Australian government puts sanctions on an individual that doesn't live in Australia and is not working cooperative with the country that the person lives in, what it effectively means is this person can never come to Australia. He can't go to Woolies and try and buy an Australian flag. No one can. But Alexander Ermakov certainly can't even get into a Woolies. He can't get into the country. But this is interesting because it's the first time we've actually ever used anything like this. But it also means, well, so what? Because, yes, he's caused pain to many people. He's caused certainly distress and harm to many, especially if their records do get leaked. And it's not like they still couldn't. But the fact that all we can really do when we know exactly who the person is, the fact that all we can actually do is say, this is his name and he's no longer welcome in Australia, he committed the crime without coming to the country. He could still commit the crime again. And that's the part that doesn't sit right with me. If I go and rob a 7-Eleven, 7-Eleven doesn't say, well, please don't come back because I could go and rob the Shell Servo next door. The problem here is that we don't actually have a course of justice. We just have... We know who you are. We know you did it and we shake our finger. That doesn't seem like justice to me. Yes, Russia is a bit of a safe haven for people like this. But why? Why is this so difficult for us to really resolve? I don't quite understand why we treat cybercrime so differently to anything else. If this was a different kind of activity, what was that Olympian that killed his girlfriend or something, hit her with his leg that he took off or something? I don't know. There was a guy who did that. But if someone goes to another country and kills somebody, we, we get them. We find ways to get them. But when someone commits cybercrime, even when it's millions and millions of health records, we just say, please don't come into our country. We, don't actually, we didn't even say, please don't come into the country virtually, as in, please don't hack another one of our websites. But anyway, we have these sanctions put in place. And what has also happened, which is kind of nice to see, is that the US and the UK have also imposed sanctions on the same person. Now, they've got a bunch of different identifiers to try and make sure that this kind of this person, even if they change their name, does not make him, um, does not allow him in. But yes, if he wants to travel to the US, UK or Australia, it's no bueno. No holidays in our countries. He'll have to go to Europe. Um, poor guy. He'll have to go to the South Pacific Islands. He'll have to go to Japan. He'll have to go to all other beautiful countries and places and explore them himself. That just doesn't sit right with me. So anyway, I like the fact that we made him famous in a sense. Because the other problem with doing that is he kind of has a little bit more cred potentially. And I say potentially because on the dark web, he doesn't have extra cred because his usernames already did that for him. His real name, however, certainly means that if he was hiding any of what his actual real life was, everybody knows about it now. So I don't love making people who do the wrong thing famous because it kind of gives them credibility or something that they think they can gloat about. But then I do like it as well because if he is, I don't know, on the dating scene, maybe that makes him sexier. I don't know. What I'm saying is I just don't feel like justice has been served by us saying you can't come to Australia. Um, he didn't need to come to Australia to, to, to commit that crime and to make all the money he probably did from selling those Medibank records. Anyway, interesting developments in the world of tech. Always something happening, whether it's around cybercrime, gadgets, Airplaying in your hotel room. There's so many things happening. And we're lucky that we get to cover this on this show. We've been doing it for a long time. 
Maybe we'll keep doing it for a little bit longer. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.